When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good morning to you. Bernie is back in taking your calls uh, today at 1850-333-103. Text and WhatsApp's also available at 86 And looking at the weather forecast where we've got a bit of a, a bright and a blustery day today, there is definitely, you can see the temperatures are going down and there's a real nip in the air and it really is starting to feel a little bit wintry. And as we head into the bank holiday weekend, it looks like we're going to have sort of nice, bright autumnal days, but they're going to be very, very chilly indeed. I mean, they're talking now at one stage earlier in the week, they were saying it was we could even have our first chance of snow at the weekend. They're kind of changing that now and saying that we might see some sleet on higher ground, but it is going to be cold enough, that's for sure. And always you would hear people talk about in the cold weather how if they've got any sort of a complaint or a condition, there always seems to be more painful in the cold weather or in the wet weather. You'd hear people with arthritis say, oh, it's always worse than the damp weather. And some people would have always said, oh, that's all in your mind. How could possibly could the weather affect aches and pains? Well, a study has come out that has revealed that aches and pains can be made worse by uh, the weather. When it's damp and windy, those with painful conditions such as arthritis or fibromyalgia are more likely to suffer a flare-up. Research was carried out by Manchester University. Now, they tracked 2,658 people. That's a lot of people who all had mainly muscular skeletal conditions. So they tracked them over a period of time. It was over six months. What they did was they rated their pain daily with GPS from their smartphone and that was used to work out what the weather was like on each of the particular days and participants were more likely to see their pain rise significantly if the humidity went from average to high levels. Now when humidity goes from average to high levels that means it's the damp days, it's the wet drizzly drizzly weary kind of days. Then windy and low pressure conditions, they had a weaker effect. They, They did see a rise in pain but not as much 
as what it was like on damp days. Now, scientists do not yet fully understand why, but previous evidence would suggest that low pressure in the atmosphere may actually change pressure in the fluid in people's knees and hips. And then that obviously then will go on to affect the pain receptors. So when it's wet rather than cold, any kind of wet weather, if people are saying to you that they've got their aches and pains are worse, don't be telling them it's all in their mind. The research is actually there. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, we're going to be once again looking for your cheesy jokes. We'll be looking for your jokes in the final hour of the programme because we've another one of these cheese fondue nights to give away. The night is Sunday, the 3rd of November. You and four of your friends, if you win this prize, will be heading to the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale for a special cheese fondue nights. Now they're running fondue nights actually. They have one coming up next Sunday the 27th of October. If you are a lover of cheese you'll love a cheese fondue night. And then there's one on the 10th and 24th of November and then they have three in December 1st, 8th and 15th. But our special fondue night is Sunday the 3rd of November. So get thinking about your jokes, get working on it and uh, if uh, you win you must be free, you and your friends, to go along on Sunday the 3rd of November. And you can check out what the cheese fondue nights are all about by going to the cozycafe.net. That is their website. On the programme today, we're hearing more concern about the Cork Limerick motorway. And we know that the Cork Limerick motorway is going to go ahead. And there's been great excitement that it's we're getting closer and closer. People in the area have been fighting for it now for, for a good few uh, decades But we're back again to something that got mentioned a couple of years ago and that's the possibility that the Cork-Limerick motorway would completely bypass North Cork. It just wouldn't come through North Cork at all. What would happen is people would leave Cork, they would head up in the Care direction, then in Care, there'd be a link off Care that would take them through to Limerick. So that would completely bypass the towns of Mallow, Bottevant and Charleville. It would have a huge effect on the North Cork area, but it would also have an effect on West Limerick, it would affect our neighbours across the county bounds in uh, Kerry. So there really is a campaign now and I think this is where the Cork politicians need to get very vocal and need to get together and need to be very united and fight and make sure that the Cork-Limerick motorway does go through Mallow, Bottevant and Charleville. And it was a couple of years ago, 2017, that Leo Varadkar stood up in the doll when he was questioned on this. And he said at the time that, yes, he was for sure the motorway was going to go through the North Cork towns. But now it looks like it seems to be driven by Limerick people, Limerick business people. Limerick County Council seems to be driving it because, of course, anything that they can do to make Limerick the second city in Ireland, obviously, would have to be welcomed. So if they think that they've got a better chance because they're going to connect Limerick to Waterford as well. So if it would be more advantageous to them to have this link coming via care, they're obviously, they're going to fight their corner. So it does mean that the people here in Cork, we need to stick stick with the original plan and fight our corner as well. So we're going to be talking about it today on the programme. We're also going to be talking about organ donation today and this proposed legislation that's been spoken about for quite some time and it's the opt-out proposal of legislation. What they've been talking about doing in some countries already have this in place. If you do not want to donate your organs then you need to, you would, when this legislation goes through, you would need to sign a register saying, hi, 
I Joe Bloggs. If I end up in a situation where I'm on life support, they're going to switch it off. No chance of me surviving. I do not want my organs to be donated. I find it very hard to see why people would do that. But, you know, there's got to be a register there. So a lot of people are saying this is the way forward. There are too many organs going to waste. They're of no use to us after we're dead and gone and yet they can give the gift of life to so many people. So they've been looking, the government have been looking at legislation to bring in this opt-in, opt-out type register but it seems there's a flaw in the legislation that they're proposing. So we're going to speak with the Irish Kidney Association because they are uh, the group that promote organ donation in this country. So we're going to try to find out what's wrong with the proposed legislation and what can be done. How can we tweak it to make sure that if we're going to put this legislation through, can we just make sure that we get it right and that we get it right first time round. And there's been a wonderful story this week. It made the news. Um, I think I saw this young guy in the news on thir- on Tuesday. Certainly, it was all over the papers yesterday. It's a, a young lad from Askeaton in, in County Limerick, and he has made history because he was the first person in Ireland to receive a double lung and liver transplant. And the operation took place in June. And obviously we didn't, there wasn't, I don't think there was any mention of it back in June that this operation went ahead. But now that he's fighting fit and out of hospital and there was great photographs of him. And as I say, he appeared on the news with the two surgeons, the surgeon who performed the lung part, the the lung transplant part of the operation. And then the surgeon who performed the liver part of the operation. He's a CF uh, sufferer and his life has just been completely turned around and it actually happened on his 29th birthday he woke up with his double lung and his liver replaced and his life has now uh, begun again and he's talking about next year for his 30th birthday which is a kind of a milestone birthday anyway how he's going to celebrate because he'll be celebrating one year of his new life and it's just it's a terrific story and you look at this young lad and you think oh how fantastic and of course he, he spoke so uh, lovingly and he was so grateful to the donors to the donor family and the difference that that donor family and that donor has made to this young man who can now has he now has a future I think he'd spent the previous eight months in a hospital bed hooked up to oxygen and that that's what his life was and that's what his life would have been until he passed away and he would have passed away he wouldn't have had very much longer uh, left so we know organ donation changes people's worlds and people's lives and I don't know why anyone would object when you know that your organs have no use to you why would you be buried with them why would you be cremated with them if they can if any bit of my body can help anybody out they're more than welcome to it Uh, so we're going to discuss that we're also going to speak with Senator Jerry Buttimer who we'd hoped to speak with yesterday this is um, giving if we that forcing parents, this will be mandatory. We would force parents to take parenting classes if their children are involved in antisocial behaviour or public order offences. I'm assuming we'll be looking at people who are repeat offenders, and the guardie will tell you they'll know when they go out. It's the same young lads, it's the same girls getting involved in all of the trouble. Do we take it that the parents don't really care? Because whenever we hear of antisocial behaviour and whenever we hear that it's young people are involved, we will always get calls in saying, where's the mammy? Where's the daddy? Where are the parents? Why do they not know 
what their children are up to. And there are people already nervous because we have Halloween next week. Next week, And for some reason, Halloween seems to bring out the worst in antisocial behaviour by young people when it comes to you know, the, the utter stupidity of throwing stones. We've already been getting reports in of some young people throwing stones at cars. Our egging becomes a huge issue around Halloween where young people will get eggs and they'll throw them at people's houses or throw them at cars. And if you have ever had an egg smashed on your window you will know how difficult it is to remove it just can be you have it all washed off think it's gone and then a bit of sunlight comes through and it's all back again it really is very very hard uh, to remove and it can frighten elderly people if they're in their home and there's young people who are they just think they're having a bit of fun but sometimes that bit of fun becomes antisocial behaviour where are their parents why do their parents not know uh, what they're up to so if these young people are caught repeat offenders should we be forcing by the courts the parents have no choice about it. it. It would be mandatory by the course that they would have to go and do parenting courses in the hope that through these parenting courses they would get the skills to parent their ch- their children so that their children would stop being involved in this type of uh, behaviour. A member of our Garda Shia will join us uh, to, with trying to with help trying to solve local crimes and then we don't have Jane Pickett, our resident vet uh, today. She's not available today. But so instead in that slot, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to be speaking with Noel Cunningham. Now, many people will know Noel Cunningham. He's a well-known Irish hotelier, often appears on TV. And you'll know he's got that wonderful, he was born in Donegal. He's got that wonderful, gentle Donegal accent, accent. And he's put together a book that's called Noel Cunningham's Guide to Modern Irish Manners. And it basically goes through the do's and the don'ts, the Basic manners and etiquette, and and what I love about the book is they go through all of like the modern things that wouldn't have been happening, say when Noel was growing up. You know things like how mobile phones. What's the correct etiquette around uh, a mobile phone? Uh, So Henny deals with social media, and you know if you're having a dinner party, what's the would you know how to lay a table uh, properly? Uh, He looks at things, the birth of a child. How do you announce the birth of a child? He looks at weddings. Um, ladies day out how do you dress for a special occasion he even has a chapter on Christmas and it's just the do's and don'ts of modern not even modern I just think it's called modern Irish manners but it's just the do's and don'ts of manners because have we lost our manners and it's it's something I'm going I'm, I'm really going to talk with Noel about has he noticed there's a de- is there is there a decline in manners I mean I would you know the opening chapter in his book says manners will bring you around the world and that is so right and I, I certainly remember you know growing up as a child being told my mother would always have been quite a, a stickler for good manners and she used to always say manners cost you know they cost nothing and, and it's true so I would be thankful to my mother for the manners that I grew up with but also I would have to say thankful to the Loretta nuns who taught us manners was a huge huge thing uh, in our school I'm, I don't know is it as big a thing today in school our children even just the basic manners like please and thank you and opening a door for you know for children to open a door for an, for an older person do men still open doors for women do women not want men to open doors there's that whole argument around that uh, as well so we'll talk about manners on the programme but I would be interested in your thoughts are you still seeing manners today? And again, does that go back to the parents? I mean, the, the school will have a role to play as well. But does it go back to the parents in the home? I mean, if children are 
repeatedly been told you must say please and thank you it eventually rubs off I mean you know when they're younger you might have to keep saying it over and over and over again but eventually it sinks in and eventually you don't have to keep telling them so manners where where do you stand on that 1850 Bernie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on an opt out opt in for organ donation morning Patricia says the texter it's about time that we had this opt out register. I've carried a donor card my entire adult life. There are so few organs available and sadly there are so many in need and on waiting lists. Unfortunately, I was diagnosed with cancer last year. Sorry to hear that. And now can no longer donate my organs. However, I have now arranged the donation of my body to medical research after my death. I believe it's so important to help others, whether it be organ donation or otherwise. No one can know when they may need a gift of life. God bless all who donate and help all who are considering donation to go uh, ahead. Well done. What a kind, lovely, not, what a kind, generous person uh, you are. And it is true, come at the day, come at the hour, none of us know when any of us will need the gift of life or when a family member will need a gift of life. Over the years, I would have spoken to people who either had an organ donation or who had a family member who had an organ donation and usually an organ donor awareness week, they'll put forward people to, you know, to come on and, and tell their stories. And the amount of people that would have said, <clears throat> particularly people who, for whatever reason, suddenly became in need of an organ donation would say you know how all the family now carry donor cards and when I'd say to them were you always organ donor card holders they'd say no never thought about it until this happened in my family now everybody that I know and I'm constantly uh, promoting it so you never know you absolutely uh, never know but good luck with your cancer journey and hopefully you will make a full recovery but what a kind thing that even even after death you're trying to help others by donating your body to uh, medical science 1850 on manners that we're going to be talking about later on in the programme a listener says I have noticed for a long time now that some of some of the people who appear on Winning Streak the TV show have no manners others notice that I'm not now a big fan of winning streaks so I can't row in on the, on this one but it's a programme that's on every week and it's the good people of Ireland who have won their slot there do some of them have no manners maybe could it be nerves would nerves be an excuse for not being mannerly I wonder and actually on winning streak can I just say the daily millions we woke up to this news this morning that there was a daily millions player has won in we're assuming they're from Mallertown. Could be somebody passing through, but I don't know where the shop is. Foley's Express uh, food store on Upper Breacher Street. It's just off the roundabout, but I, I, yeah, maybe could somebody have been travelling and slipped off the motor, slipped off the the road to get something could have but you'd like to hope that it's a local person, that somebody living locally as well. Anyway, it's a half a million euro that was won in the draw. So if you are a regular lottery player at Foley's Express Food Store on Upper Preacher Street in Mallow and you play the daily million draw, can you please check your ticket because you could be sitting on 
half a million euro, which is a lovely sum of money to him. And congratulations. I hope it brings a lot of luck to the person that has won it. And Damien White from ba- um, Garda Damien White from Bandon Garda Station, who often joins us on Crime File, has just been on to wants to warn people who are getting scam calls from online companies. So some of the companies he's mentioning are Amazon, all of the banks looking for your bank details. The calls are coming from what appears to be a local area code. So people are fooled into thinking it is a local call. Of course, it's not a local call. Uh, Damien is saying never give out your bank details to a stranger over the phone. You do have to be so careful. And I know we took a call from a gentleman earlier who was talking about, I think it was his mother got a call yesterday from one of the phone providers that she's already with offering her a different package, you know, to go on a different uh, package, but looked for the bank details, which I think she gave. And when this gentleman came home, he got a bit suspicious, a bit wary of it. He had the phone number. Now, we checked it out and the phone number is the genuine phone number from the company. So it obviously was a genuine call. But we told Gareth Damien White about that call and he said, you know, really companies now are going, because there's so many scams out there and because so so many people are nervous of being scammed, companies are going to have to stop and think about how they interact with their customers. These are genuine customers who want to interact with genuine people and customers and want to offer good deals and, and whatever and want to sign people up. They're really going to have to stop and think about ringing people up because certainly now if you get any kind of cold calling, Somebody trying to tell you something, trying to sell you something. Alarm bells start to ring immediately, which I think isn't a bad thing. I mean, you know, if somebody's, if it's a genuine company and they want to get through to you, they will get through to you. But they're going to have to start doing it a different way. I really do think this day of, of a company ringing up saying, do you want to buy something? And you giving the your details out over the phone. I think that day is gone because there are too many scam artists out there. 1850-333-103. Going to take a break. We're back discussing the fresh concerns over the proposed Cork to Limerick motorway. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, fresh concerns have been raised over the route for the proposed Cork to Limerick motorway after Transport Minister Shane Ross said in the Dáil that he understood the team in charge of the project was, and I quote, currently appraising alternative corridors for the road. Local feed again, Councillor Jared Murphy is also concerned and uh, he joins me. Good morning to you, Jared. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome. Now, you're worried about a motorway motion coming before the Southern Regional Assembly, of which you're a member. Tell me about this motion and has it already happened or is it about to happen? No, uh, uh, we're in the process at this point in time of uh, creating the regional plan for the southern part of the uh, country. Okay. Uh, there, there is a hierarchy of plans. There's the national planning framework, then there's a regional plan, and then there's county development plans. And the national planning framework at the moment recognises that uh, the uh, M20 uh, Trakark uh, should get priority. Uh, but there is a, an amendment into uh, the regional plan suggesting that the N24 uh, from Care to Watford uh, should be upgraded to uh, motorway status. Uh, the problem and difficulty with that is that the M20 must uh, have priority at this point in time. Otherwise, 
the entire southwest of the country is going to be isolated without a motorway. Um, so that would greatly affect Cork City and County, particularly Cork Northwest, uh, particularly Kerry and particularly West Limerick. Uh, so the emphasis at this point in time, from a financial and a planning point of view, uh, must be to complete uh, the M20. And, uh, and the M20 on the original route that was proposed by Cork County Council? Yes, uh, something very close to that. Correct, yes, yes. But, the, uh, but this notion of having that Cork to Limerick motorway, but having it via care, when did that first start to get mentioned? That, that going back along over the, over the last two or three years, there has been suggestions made that uh, a motorway running uh, to more the centre of the country, uh, directly to the east coast, uh, could be a more viable proposition. Cheaper? Would it be cheaper? Cheaper. It could be cheaper, okay. yes. Uh, but the big problem is that it... Sorry, your, uh, fo- your so phone is breaking up there a little bit. The big sorry, problem... Sorry. I say, the big problem is which? Uh, the big problem is that uh, if the M20 doesn't go ahead as planned, it would cut off entirely the southwestern part of the country. Uh, which would include Cork, Kerry and West Limerick. Uh, and it would have a huge effect on the uh, development along that route. Uh, the whole national planning framework uh, concept would be, uh, in the context of the regional plan, would be that there should be a significant counterbalance uh, to Dublin and that Cork would play a huge role in that, as well as Limerick and Waterford. Without the M20 being completed uh, between Cork and uh, Limerick, uh, that entire area would be seriously disadvantaged. And would Limerick be the big winner if they got if the Care Waterford motorway went ahead, and I then if and then if Cork to Limerick went via Care, that would connect Limerick then to Waterford. They'd be the real winners. Yes, there is no question of those voters, and there has been uh, lobbying to a certain extent, uh, by certain people saying that uh, that could be uh, an opportunity uh, for Limerick because of a bit of total connectivity uh, each way to what to the East Coast, to Dublin, uh, which would lack connectivity uh, to the Southwest. Now the so, so the priority that we have to have at this point in time is to ensure that the M20 uh, stays top of the list, uh, is prioritised uh, more than any of the other roads, particularly the, the amendment is saying, saying that the uh, uh, N24 should be upgraded to an M24 to a motorway status. Uh, if that happens, uh, then uh, obviously there is going to be a reconsideration of the M20. The original route was chosen by Cork County Council. Will the council still have a say in the final route selection? Yes, of course. Uh, Limerick uh, City and County Council are the designated body to uh, actually uh, investigate that situation. But Cork County Council will be liaising uh, with Limerick uh, on that. But the ultimate decision is going to be a national decision. And at this point in time, 
the national planning framework identifies uh, the uh, M20 as a priority, and there has been a commitment by government that the M20 should be a national priority. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the uh, national planning framework and the Southern Regional Assembly uh, plan, which will all be uh, legally binding on county councils, uh, should uh, say the same thing, that the M20 gets priority. Uh, nobody objects to uh, the N24 uh, being upgraded to a dual charge where being eventually maybe down the years upgraded to a motorway. But that cannot be done at the cost of the M20. The M20. And God, God knows we've waited long enough uh, for it, Gerard. But when you speak of national planners, do you believe that national planners want the least number of junctions built on motorways? Yes, uh, I do. Uh, and uh, if you go to any planning conference or discuss it with uh, even international practice to a certain extent, the objective now is to uh, maximise the populations uh, in uh, city situations, in big urban areas. And the least amount of exits uh, you have from uh, a motorway, say, connecting Clark and Limerick, or connecting um, Limerick and Dublin, uh, the less chance you have of uh, developing the towns along the way. For instance, uh, in the previously proposed M20 uh, from Cork to Limerick, uh, there would have to be uh, significant access to that road uh, from Butterfield, uh, Mallow, Charleville, uh, which would be extremely important. Uh, but the concept that's been developed nationally is that the less exits and entrance on the motorway, uh, the better, because you would force people uh, into either living in the larger urban areas. Mm. And, I, and I know back in 2017, the Taoiseach, Leo he confirmed to the Dáil that he would ensure the M20 route would go via Malabotterment into Charleville. So would you take some comfort from that? I know it was two years ago, but... I take some comfort from that, but I maintain that we must keep the pressure on yeah. uh, because uh, if the N24 was uh, raised to status of uh, a motorway, um, there would be a tendency uh, to uh, say that that would adequately do in the short term, uh, but that would result in the southwestern area uh, being isolated, and that includes toxicity. Yeah. And generally speaking, I think everybody recognises that if you're going to get rid of the chaos that there is in Dublin at the moment, that uh, there is going to have to be a substantial counterbalance to Dublin uh, from now on. And I there has believe. to be an investment in the region, so there just has yes. to be. I mean, I spoke with Deputy Sean Sherlock on this issue, and, and I know Kevin O'Keefe uh, raised the issue in the Dáil uh, this week. So, so do we need all of the Cork politicians fighting our corner on this one? A reunited Abs- front? Absolutely. It's absolutely essential. Like, the whole... Uh, emphasis of the regional plan at the moment is uh, to uh, move uh, the massive development from Dublin to uh, a counterbalance in, in the regions. And, and when you're looking at the southern region, you are talking about Cork as a primary location, Limerick as a primary location, and Waterford uh, 
but basically, if you uh, uh, emphasize the, if you make the N24 and M24, you are uh, emphasizing Limerick and Watford rather than Cork, because okay. cutting off Cork entirely. All right, we'll keep a close eye on this one, Gerard. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is local Fine Gael North Cork Councillor uh, Gerard Murphy. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break and we're back chatting with the Irish Kidney Association about an opt-in, opt-out register for organ donation. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 Now there was a gorgeous story in the papers yesterday about a young Limerick man, Robert Sheehan, who has become Ireland's first liver and double lung transplant recipient following a successful transplant in June in this country. So to talk about organ donation and the proposed legislation which is aimed at increasing organs for transplant I'm joined by Colin White who is the National Project Manager with the Irish Kidney Association. Good morning to you Colin. Good morning Patricia, Uh, how are you? I'm very well. Firstly Robert's story is truly uplifting isn't it And, and it shows the great gift of life that the donor's family have given him. It is. It's it's fantastic when when you actually get to witness the um, the outcome of organ donation. Um, I think donor families who have said yes to organ donation should uh, should rightly be proud of the decision they've made. And I think all of us can look upon organ donation as not only helping people like Robert, but also leaving a very positive legacy to our own families. Like many donors have mentioned over the years, that. Um, it was kind of the one bright light in a very dark time mm. that mm. they they realised they've lost a loved one, but uh, there are, there are other families who are going to get to enjoy another Christmas, uh, a family wedding, whatever it might be. All all the many different uh, stories in life that that kind of make up the, the the whole experience, and it's because of their loved ones. So look at it from both sides: legacy to your family as well as the gift of life and the gift of potential uh, to others. And what I love about it is that transplant recipients, it's not kind of, well, I got my transplant, I'm done, I'm off. I have the opportunity to live my life, but I am not going to forget my donor and I'm going to do my part to make a difference for all the others who are waiting. So fair play to Robert, he's done done a lot of media. It's funny because I, I mentioned that earlier when you were when you were coming on the over the years the amount of people I would have interviewed particularly around organ donor week um, and, and people locally who had had donations um, and just and they all they all then want to sell the story of organ donation and get the story out there in the hope that other people can be as lucky as they are they feel so blessed. Yeah, it's it's very much uh, a kind of a passing it on. It's it's kind of um, they got the gift from a stranger, so there's 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 that feeling. Well, the least I can do is is kind of um, share my story and share the positivity and and give hope to people because I, I I think that's very important that somebody who's newly diagnosed with organ failure that. If they can see stories like Robert's and they can then see um, 
there, there is potential for a bright future and there's there's great opportunity. Like next year now, we're uh, particularly excited in the Kidney Association that we're hosting the European Transplant and Dialysis Sports Championships uh, in Dublin. Wow. And so, like, we'll have hundreds of people from uh, right across Europe, as far afield as Russia and Kazakhstan coming. Fantastic. And, um, like, it's it's just going to be such a, a public pronouncement on the positivity around organ donation and the fact that it works. It not only keeps people alive, it gives them a quality of life. And I think people would be uh, quite surprised and extremely impressed at the standard of, of uh, sport and, and physical prowess that people are achieving post-transplant. It's fantastic. Now, this proposed legislation is an opt-out consent. Just to explain how it would operate. Well, maybe let me just take a step back and explain the, what, what we have currently at that um Currently, to be a potential organ donor, you've got to be in an intensive care unit on a life support machine when you're declared brainstem dead. And at that point, your family will be approached and asked, have they considered organ donation? So in every case where there's a potential organ donor, the uh, the hospital will make that approach and will ask, uh, have they considered? If the family says yes, uh, retrieval happens, transplantation happens. If they say no, it doesn't. So under the government's proposal of soft opt-out with family consent, what they're proposing to introduce is uh, an opt-out register, so a central database where you can sign up to say, I'd rather not be an organ donor. And so then in the event of uh, a potential organ donor being uh, identified in a in an intensive care unit, the register would be consulted. If the person has not opted out, they're then considered a potential organ donor and the family are approached. If the family say yes, it goes ahead. If the family says no, it doesn't. But so how, how different is that to what we have at the moment? Exactly. Fair point. <laughs> That's what the Kidney Association has been saying for years. What, what the government really needs to do, like fantastic that they're looking at organ donation and transplantation absolutely delighted that they're bringing it into the public forum but they're kind of missing a step that we're one of the few countries internationally i mean very few countries internationally that doesn't have an organ donor register a central database where people can sign up to say yes um and then that's and it there's, there's no family consultation or consent. Well, uh, there would still be family consultation, right. but like if if we look at our neighbours across the water in the UK, um, they've had a yes/no register for what the no was added about four years ago because of a change in legislation in Wales to soft opt out. They've always had a yes register for many many years, and um, but if you have a potential donor who has not signed the register and you do not have a specialist nurse for organ donation available, their their consent rates come in at just under 30%. If you have the specialist nurse, but the person has not signed yes on the donor register, their consent rates come in about 56 57%. Wow. Wow. But if you have your specialist nurse and the person has said yes on the donor register, your consent rate is suddenly 94%. That's incredible. So, I think that kind of screams out what's going to work. And are the, gov- are the government listening to you on it? 
I think they are listening on the side of uh, specialist nurses. Um, Spain introduced uh, opt-out legislation all the way back in 1979, and 10 years later, in 89, they realised this is not the silver bullet we thought it would be. It's, it's, it's not solved all our problems. And with a bit of research, uh, they, they figured out that it's actually your specialist staff um, in the intensive care units who uh, are trained to talk organ donation with, uh, with, with the families, that they're the key to the system. And um, so they introduced that into their system, and Spain is now the, the world's leader in, in, organ, in organ donation. donation. And um, how many people do we have on, on waiting lists here, Colin, and how many, do, how many organs are transplanted every year, roughly? Um, we on the kidney side, we have about five hundred people um, active on the transplant list. That's out of just over two thousand people who are on dialysis. So some of those people are on dialysis are not transplantable because maybe they have comorbidities or um, they just wouldn't be up to the rigors of uh, of the surgery. Um, and then with the other organs, you're probably adding another 120, 150 pe- people waiting um, across the board. Then in terms of um, transplants, we are doing kind of somewhere in the region of uh, between maybe about 260 to 280, 290 per year. Um, our number of donors has it's really been very consistent. Um, it's it's kind of gone up and down a little bit, but it's it's kind of hit around the kind of eighty one to eighty three uh, mark over the last kind of six to eight years. And you might kind of think, well, gosh, like thirty thousand people die in Ireland every year. Know, we can only have that many. And it, it, it is truly shameful. Somebody says, could you could you ask please, what's the cut off age for live kidney donations? Um, there isn't a particular cut-off age. It's um, to use a driving analogy. It's it's um, not the miles on the clock. It's how the car was driven. <laughs> okay. All right. I've done, I'm unfortunately I'm over on time. It is an issue that certainly we'll come back to again, uh, Colin. In the meantime, though, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the program. If I could just say free text D O N O R to five zero zero five zero to request your organ donor card, and remember share your wishes with your family. Okay, that's the important one. Okay, thanks for that, Colin. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Colin White, who is the national project manager with the Irish Kidney Association. We were talking about organ donation in the last hour. Marion Badnascarthy contacted us to say she gave her son a kidney three years ago. He was twenty four. He had kidney disease, and obviously they were a match. What a fantastic! gift to give from mother to son. Go you, uh, Mary. But she also knows of three other people just in her area where she lives who have all had transplants. I don't know if they're living donations like Mary's to her son or whether they were on the donor list. But Mary can speak at first hand the difference that organ donation makes. And that's, you know, the one thing that the Irish Kidney Society the is trying to get across. If they could only get more donors, how many more lives could be absolutely turned around and and people who are lying in hospital beds. I mean, that young guy, Robert Sheehan, who I spoke about from Mosquito, who got the double lung and liver, I think it was eight months previously, 
like he'd been a CS sufferer, but he'd been doing fine. He'd been living his life fine. And he very quickly became unwell and he very quickly ended up on the transplant list. And I think there was about an eight month period he was put on the transplant list, put into a hospital bed and that's where he waited until he managed to get a donor that matched for double lung and a liver and his life is just... He's, he's now it's almost like he's been born uh, again his life was incredibly different so we know it's to try to get people and if you do ha- carry one of the donor cards is to talk to your family and that your family know you've got the donor card and that if God forbid something happens and you end up in that situation and it is a dreadful dreadful time for families but that's why we do, do need more of those specialised nurses there is a way of talking to families at that time, there's a way of bringing it up. You don't just burst in as somebody who's trying to come to terms with the death of a loved one and say, oh, by the way, can we harvest all of the organs, please? So more of those specialist nurses has proven in other countries. Spain, as that's the one that Colin was talking about from the Kidney Association, Spain are leading the way on, on this. And they did it by having these specialist nurses in all of the hospitals across Spain. And there's a huge number of organ donations, huge numbers of organs being donated and transplants taking place in Spain and I would never want to put it down to cost but if the HSC and the Department of Health want to look at it from a cost point of view there's a lot of money to be saved by doing transplants for example somebody on kidney dialysis that costs roughly €65,000 per patient per year to get the dialysis, which is normally what, about three times a year. And if you take somebody who's on dialysis and you give them a transplant, the transplant will cost around €12,000. And it'll be a one-off cost and the person will go away of their merry life. So a lot of money can be saved by having more transplants available. But as I say, I never want to come down to money, but it's just, it's another reason why the government and the HSC, who are always trying to save money, should be pushing and getting this legislation. If they're going to do the opt-in, opt-out legislation, then for God's sake, when they do it, can they get it right and get it right first time round. But good luck to you and your son, Mary. And thank you for your call to 1850 We were speaking about the M20 motorway, the Cork to Limerick Motorway. Charlie in North Cork says if we're all still around in 50 years time says Charlie he says I reckon we'll still be talking about the motorway we seem to have been talking about it forever. Well it is one of the issues that John Paul when we're in the office prepping for the show and if anything ever comes up about the motorway John Paul will always turn around and say how many years are you doing this show now? And it's coming up to actually next week it's coming up to 29 years since I've been sitting in this seat and it was one of the first interviews I did was about the need for a motorway between Cork and Limerick and here we are nearly 30 years later and we're still talking about it. Charlie let's be very hopeful that we won't be in 50 years we'll be about a distant memory and they'll all be driving away on the motorway and everything will be absolutely fine. On good manners and we're going to be talking about this in the next hour with this new book that Noel Cunningham has brought out A Guide to Modern Irish Manners Mary Northcock has been on. She gets really annoyed when somebody is speaking you're in conversation with somebody and somebody comes over then and speaks over them. Oh, quickly, I want to tell you something. And then Mary says, you lose your train of thought. She finds it very rude and annoying as well. If you're in mid-sentence and you're telling something and you're trying to get a point across or tell a story and then somebody else interjects with, oh, can I tell you this for a second? Then, yeah, it's annoying. It's annoying. And yeah, it's rude. Yes, it probably is very rude as well. Uh, Hi, this is by text. Talking about manners, what drives me 
crazy, says this texter, is customers at the till. They would throw up their shopping to be scanned and at the same time they're on their mobile phone chatting away. People with good manners get them first at home. And I think you're right. I do think it goes back to basic good manners at home. You learn so much manners at school. I mean, I would certainly attribute some of my good manners to the nuns in Loretto Convent because they were sticklers for good manners. But the, my basic manners, would they have originally come from my home? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But the speaking at the till, yeah, I agree with you. It is. And it is rude. And you'll actually will see in some, I don't know if I've seen it in shops. I've certainly seen it in post offices there'll be a sign on the window saying to people please do not be on your mobile phone when you're coming up to the counter because it's very difficult if somebody is trying to deal with you or talk to you and even at a shop you know to tell you how much you owe or or whatever it's just plain rude isn't it if you know that you can't get somebody's eye contact even if you just want to say hello and and the weather and how are you and blah 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 put the phone away and if I mean if you get to the counter and your phone rings you can wait you know wait till you go outside of the shop the bank the post office wherever you are it's the one wonderful advantage to mobile phones is the majority of phone numbers will come up on the mobile phone so you'll know exactly who it was that called, called you and you will be able to call them back and no call surely can be that urgent that you need to answer it immediately just in those couple of minutes it's going to take to pay for whatever it is you're buying at the shop and then walking out and in privacy outside the shop make or uh, take the call. And actually in Noel's book he does deal there is a whole chapter that he talks about mobiles and social media and he deals with the whole thing and the etiquette around mobile phones and the do's and the don'ts and you know when you should and shouldn't have your mobile phone on and more importantly when you should when you should actually turn it off but he covers all that in his uh, book also on manners Hi, this is Mary. Uh, Patricia, with regard to your segment that you're going to be doing with Noel Cunningham's book in the next hour on manners, he should include a segment just on basic manners and basic respect. And a lot of adults, it isn't just young people, a lot of adults haven't either of them. And a lot of young people have both. Some people would need a refresher course on both. Kind regards, says Mary. So a generation that once learned all about manners and then you've forgotten your manners as you get uh, older. Has anybody else noticed that, that as older people that you would know wouldn't be as mannerly, say, as they once were? Is that to do with getting kind of cantankerous as you get older, I wonder? So maybe we could all do with refresher courses just in basic manners. You know, hello, thank you, please. Would you like a seat if somebody gets on a train or a bus or the waiting room of somewhere and you're sitting down and somebody comes in a little bit less able than you should you offer a seat and actually I saw it's an issue I know we've certainly spoken with before comes up every now and again it's from the maternity hospital up in Cork when the pregnant mums have to go for their checkups in advance of, of their baby arriving on the scene. The amount of, and a lot of men, a lot of the dads, you know, you know and they're perfectly welcome to go along with the mums because of the scans going on, you know, they want to be involved in, in the scan, etc. But the amount of times I hear, and you'll see it on social media, a pregnant mum complain that they had to stand for an excessive period of time in the waiting room at CUMH waiting to go in to see the nurse or the gynaecologist or to get the scan or whatever while dads 
sat down and just sort of looked the other way or were on their phone, didn't make eye contact because, of course, they didn't want to feel embarrassed that they were sitting down while a very heavily pregnant woman was standing. We've heard of nurses and midwives at the hospital having to come out and make an announcement. Would the men please get up off the seats and let the pregnant women sit down? Now, if that isn't just basic good manners... I don't know what is. It is It is truly, truly shocking. 1850 103. Heidi says, Patricia, any news on that poor pony that had to be put down, the cruelty case from the city that we heard about earlier in the week? Any news on who was responsible for this outrageous cruelty? If you look back over the last year or so and see cruelty done to horses, to dogs, to cats, well, indeed all animals here, it is quite staggering. I've emailed Minister Michael Creed as the Minister for Agriculture again on the subject of animal cruelty for the third time. I'm hoping he'll be able to bring in laws that work and are stronger in getting people that perpetrate these crimes, getting them before the court, says uh, Heidi. I did a quick look online to see because I, I, I know I certainly hadn't heard anything and I can't find anything that anyone has been brought to bear. All I know is that when this was announced earlier in the week, the guy they were appealing for anyone with information to contact them at Groner Brawher Station in Cork. But I certainly didn't hear of anybody been, certainly nobody's been arrested I don't think anybody has been uh, questioned and it seems that that poor little horse was in such a dreadful dreadful condition that the vet it just had to be put down immediately actually when the the volunteers from the animal charity My Lovely Horse which of course wonderful charity that's based in, in Cove when they went first volunteer you know got called I think it was the Gardaí was it that they found the horse in the Fair Hill area of North Cork of the, of north of the city and they called them because I think it was a, a stranger alerted them to this horse was in distress so my lovely horse was contacted a couple of volunteers went out and they arrived on the scene and when they went they actually thought that the horse was dead and they actually said that they didn't expect to see a two-year-old horse as badly abused as it as it was. And they thought that she was dead, which is when they went, the poor old horse tried to move. We couldn't even get up. It was so it was in such a bad condition. And there was nothing to, when the vet called, there was nothing that could be done. But uh, the humane thing to do is to put the horse uh, to sleep. And then the, it was the cork council officials removed the horse's remains then from the scene the scene with the guardian then appealing for anyone with the information. I don't know if anybody has come forward and will we hear will we just not hear any more about it it'll, one of those ones that will just disappear we'll forget about it until the next abuse case comes to life and then we might remember that poor horse but more than likely we won't. Um, how do we catch these people and when we do catch them what do we do? What do we do with them? 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. With a reminder to keep working on your jokes, please. It's not until the next hour, though, we'll ask you to text or WhatsApp in your jokes. Your chance to win a special cheese fondue night at the Cozy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale. Our night is Sunday the 3rd of November. If you win today and you have a funny joke to tell us that we deem funny, then you will win the prize and you, along with four of your friends, will be heading to Kinsale for the cheese fondue night on the 3rd of November. And you can check it all out and find out more at the Cozy Cafe.net. C103 Jobs. 
A receptionist is wanted for a veterinary practice that's in North Cork experience would be preferred. Part-time window fitter is required for North Cork full clean driving licence, please. While part-time positions are available in JJ's Appliances in Canturk, retail experience and computer skills are needed. And an experienced labourer is wanted to help a tradesperson on a new housing development in Kinsale. Safe pass and manual handling necessary. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. We're having problems getting through to Jerry Buttermore again. He had to step away uh, yesterday and now we're having problems uh, locating him. His phone seems to be going to answer machine. But listen, we'll press on in the meantime. We've been talking about manners and this is something we're going to be talking about in the next hour. Uh, I got taken aback by this. A listener says, what really Blake's makes my blood boil People not turning off their mobile phones when they're at mass. Goodness me. Is that just people who've forgotten? You know, we're so used to always having the mobile phone in the bag or in your pocket that when you go into church, you forget to switch it off. Because I know when you go to any theatre, they have to make the announcement reminding people to switch off their phones and you can see everybody reaching into their mobile phones. Whenever I do MC if I'm asked to do an M, you know, MC work, uh, it usually is one of the things that I have to do. I have to sort of say to people, would you please you know, switch off your mobile phones? I normally try and make a game out of it by getting everybody to point out if they have a mobile phone or not. And we get them to switch it off that way. But it, it never ceases to amaze me the number of people, even if they're told to switch off their mobile phones at some public event, inevitably, as the evening goes on, you'll hear a mobile phone ring. Now, uh, as we mentioned uh, yesterday, I had a funny feeling that a lot of people would be agreeing with the suggestion that parental classes should be made mandatory. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. For the parents of young offenders in Cork, the suggestion has been put forward that by Fine Gael Senator Jerry Bottomer, who I'm delighted to say we have tracked down, and he joins me. Good morning to you, Jerry. Good morning, Mr. Jen. Apologies uh, for the. That's okay. Uh, Th- that's okay. I think you, you're actually driving, are you? You to pull in? No, I've, I've pulled in. I've, you've I've, I've pulled in. I've you're, pulled in. How are we doing? You're very good. I'm very well, and and uh, thank you for taking our call. We what are we talking about here? Young people getting involved in antisocial behaviour and repeatedly getting involved. Is is, well, is that who you're talking about? What I'm advocating is first of all, can I make the point that. I'm not in any way trying to criminalise or stigmatise uh, parents or young people in any shape or form. But under the, what's called the Children's Act of 2001, there is a parental supervision order that can be imposed on parents of children who commit a, a criminal offence or an offence um, where the court is satisfied and quoting that a willful failure of the child's parents to take care of or control the child contributed to the child's criminal behaviour. So what I'm really saying, Patricia, is that the majority of parents are doing their job, are trying very hard. There are some who have abandoned responsibility, uh, who don't engage, and many people will have a view, and I'm one of them, that you can't have a guard at every corner that you know, we have community policing, and that we need to give more, more, more support to parents and to parents who are struggling. Um, and I'm not making any judgmental call, whatever. We've seen a spike in antisocial behaviour in, in many parts of the country in particular. Uh, we've had it in many programmes in Cork uh, where people have phoned in shows like your own. Uh, and I'm targeting here the parent who's disengaged, uh, who has not tried in any way to be involved as a parent with their, with their child, uh, in, whether it's a teenager or a young adult. And I put it in context. Uh, if you have somebody who is uh, throwing rocks from from a bridge at the motorway or on the road at an oncoming traffic or who is somebody who is intimidating or, or somebody who is out at 11 or 12 o'clock on a Friday or Saturday night uh, and they're a 14-year-old or a 10-year-old. Like, in my humble opinion, and I'm not a parent I accept, but, like, no child should be out that late on an on a unsupervised in- engaging. And my point is, where is the responsibility of the parent in that case then as well? And if they, if those young people that you're talking about, if they are caught engaged in, you know, some public order offence or antisocial behaviour, how are they dealt with by the Gardaí at the moment? Well, there's a variety of mechanisms where there's antisocial, there's Asbos issued, there's, 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 there could be court proceedings issued, um, or, or there's an engagement with the youth diversion programme. Um, what, what I'm saying, and, and obviously children who haven't reached the age of 12 can't be charged uh, with an offence, um, so what I'm saying here, and, and in a way, we've had a very successful model of, of a scheme, a pilot scheme in Oberstown called the Kayla, which is a mentoring scheme for you parents of young offenders. It's not the same thing, but I'm saying you could tweak that and model it and, and recalibrate it to be a, an advocacy support within the community um, for people, for parents. And, and I, I stress again, I'm not of the Hang and Flogden Brigade, but I do believe it's time that we, we put a, a duty on, on some small percentage of parents who have abandoned responsibility. Like there's an expectation in some quarters 
uh, that the school does it, the Gary community Gary do it, youth diversion program does it, the youth club does it, the scouts does it. But like, it does take a village to raise a child. But one of the most, not one of the most important part is the family home. And what I'm saying is, if there's if there's issues at home that need to be addressed, then this 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 will you know improve the parenting skills. Uh, it, it it will make sure there's nothing wrong at home in causing that young person or that disconnect to occur. So I know my, some of your listeners might say that I'm being a bit extreme but, but I don't think I am I, 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 I listen I don't think you're being a bit extreme and I don't think listeners are going to think you're a bit extreme, a bit, a bit extreme. because any time we raise antisocial behaviour and we're coming up to that time of year with Halloween we, you know we're getting calls in from all over the city and county from people who are already dreading next week dreading midterm because young people with extra time on their hands are out and about they think it's a bit of fun to be throwing eggs at people's houses or throwing stones much more dangerous at cars. It's antisocial behaviour and they're frightening the life out of people. Yeah, and, and my point is that in the case of where parents are, are, are for whatever reason, and I do genuinely appreciate it. I'm a school teacher of 16 years. Uh, I've been involved in, in, in the day, been involved in school, I've been involved in politicians. And I understand that there are parents who are struggling and who haven't engaged and who don't know how to... And what I'm trying to do by my suggestion and proposal is to bring them to the table uh, and to address the issues and, and, and put a solution there and, and, and to acknowledge that look, it isn't about the parent per se, but it is about your role as a parent. And equally, it's about the, the, the person, the young person who offends. Uh, it's not about criminalising them. It's about saying there's a sanction uh, to what you and there's a consequence to what you do. So, you know, as you said, it's not acceptable that people can, in, in some cases, go through estates and break mirrors off cars or, or, cars, or vandalise property or, or assault people. Uh, and I think we have to, as a society, have a real conversation. Like, I've had a response from people who are saying there's no fear anymore, and there's no, there's no consequence. And I'm not trying to say that we should have, you know, people hanged and flogged, and the contrary. Uh, what I want to do is enhance our society, create a situation whereby young people understand the import of what they do uh, and equally that there are parents who have a duty and the majority of parents are doing a wonderful job they're balancing work life with you know school work home taking kids here there, and everywhere and getting that balance right but there are some who are not and and they think it's okay for their 12 year old or 10 year old or, or 14 year old to be out on a Saturday or Friday causing mayhem or havoc and I just think that you know we can't expect on Gardaí corner to do everything we can't expect to have a youth diversionary problems leveling or a youth clubs. There must be a personal responsibility as well. And that's maybe for those schools. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be fair to everybody. But I'm, I really believe, and I'm a member of both the city and the county policing committees, Patricia, uh, and I hear we hear firsthand in our reports from the Gardaí and from council about different issues. And I just think it's time that we put a, a responsibility to on some parents who have abandoned and abdicated responsibility. And they just need to be given the skills to show what they need to do for their kids. And, and that's what I think, in this case, it would be probably a last result. But it's about encouraging. It's about getting the support. And, and you know, we have we have a variety of, of, of parenting options available through HSC, through the different organisations. When I was just education in School, we had parenting classes where people voluntarily, you know, came to have to take the classes. Like, we, you know, my point is, you know, when a, when a, when a, when a, when a, when a husband or, or a wife or, or partners have a baby, uh, they go to classes. And my point is, in some cases now, why can't we have parents come into classes as a consequence of misbehaviour and, and help you to work with you to ensure that we can see a better outcome for you and your, and your, and your, and your son or daughter?
Yeah, I don't know if you've been watching that programme that's been on RT for the last couple of weeks about it takes a village to raise a child. Have you seen I, I that? Have pro- not. Yeah, and it's taking children out of inner city. They're mainly Dublin children. Kids that are going off the rails and bringing them down into the countryside. But the change around in these children in a matter of of a week, and it basically is just giving them something to do more than anything else. But in each of the cases, the parents had to be spoken to that it wasn't just the child's fault, that the parents needed to turn things around as well. And I'm not making a judgment class about, about demographics here or geography or economic background. I'm making this across the board because it isn't just one, you know, socioeconomic class. It's across the board. Uh, and I just think, as you said, it, it does take, you know, a lot, a lot of interventions in some cases. There are people who become parents who are not prepared uh, in a variety of ways. And it's about assisting and helping them. And it's also about ensuring that we have personal responsibility as well. That there is a consequence of our action. You know, if I if I go out tomorrow morning and I drink and drive, there's a consequence to my action, so I know that mm. as an adult. Equally, if I go into you know a particular situation and I, I, I saw somebody, there's a consequence to what I do, and and people must be able to understand that and know that as a there's an import to what how they be misbehaved. And and I know that you know we we have a you know life is changing and evolving, but there must be an element of personal responsibility too. We can't expect the state or the on Garda to do everything for us. Okay, just want to have you on the line. We talk about you know a consequence for some for for your actions. Uh, we've had a couple of listeners that came up again today about that poor horse that had to be put down in Fairhill, the the condition that the horse was in, um, and somebody was asking, has anybody been prosecuted for it? And I was saying, the, from what I could gather from just looking at news reports, the Gardaí in Gronabraher were looking for anyone with information on that cruelty case, but I don't think anybody's come forward. And then a listener has contacted us, Kieran in Fairhill, who says he could point out exactly who abused that horse. He says the guy they know who was responsible but they don't seem to want to do anything a- about it. I mean, cruelty cases like that, Jerry, it's just shocking. It is an animal welfare. It's something that we can't take lightly and, and, and again, the, again, within your text there, people don't just emerge out of nowhere to do a, a bad act or in this case to, 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 to be engaged in, in the willful, you know, on kind animal Be- beating a beating a defenceless yeah. animal like so people do know and that's why it's about personal responsibility and some of the who have in this case to come forward to them God if you come and to inform them because it is important that we understand that we can't condone or support this type of behaviour we must condemn it out of hand yeah, it's shocking. All right, listen, we'll let you get on your merry way and we we, we thank you for taking time out to talk to us, uh, Jerry. Thank you for that. Um, that is uh, Fine Gael Senator Jerry Bottomer, 1850-333-103. When we talk about young people and all parents need to take a little bit of responsibility for next week for Halloween because people are already getting nervous. Fireworks are already going off. People are saying, uh, keep your dogs and cats in at night. I don't know if we found that lurcher dog that went missing earlier in the week. It had got spooked in the Mallow town. It got spooked by fireworks going off and did a runner. And it went missing last year as well. Fireworks just started a bit earlier that the listener wasn't able to get the dog in in time. But anyone who has nervous pets, you really do need to have your animals in at night. I don't think there's been a night this week that I haven't heard at least one or two fireworks. Except the other night when it was raining, they don't seem to like to go out in the rain. Mary in Temple Martin says young people are actually freezing eggs and then they're throwing them at the roof of houses. They're actually doing a lot of damage. Well, you could 
break a frozen egg would break a tile, wouldn't it? What a stupid, stupid thing to be doing. So all families need to keep an eye on how many eggs they have in their house. And if your son or daughter is suddenly getting interested in eggs, it's not that they've been watching the Great British Bake Off. They may be taking the eggs out with them. And I know shops have been particularly good about not selling big quantities of eggs to young people. They've There's a lot of shops that we would hear, have heard from over the years who just will not... They t- I've actually been in a shop where the eggs have been taken off the shelves in the run-up uh, to Halloween. So you've got, if you want to buy eggs, you've got to ask and they pass them over the counter to you and that's to stop young people getting their hands uh, on us. That's good responsible shop owners but parents, the parents are the ones that need to be take resp- re- parental responsibility for your kids and what they get up to when they're not at home. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 1850 103. Bernie is uh, taking your calls and you can text or WhatsApp uh, 0862 103 And on children and antisocial behaviour that we were speaking with uh, in the last hour, uh, Stephen says, is it any wonder that antisocial behaviour is becoming a problem when you can't even scold a child these days? All these experts seem to have got it wrong. Uh, of course, what your listener, Eddie from Mahan, if I remember correctly, that was his name said a while ago about parents was so true. If he is listening, he might send it in again. Smile, says Stephen from County Kerry. Now, I've, I've, so, I've got, received so many texts in, in the past. I, I don't know which one you're talking about with Eddie from Mahan, but if Eddie is listening, because he, he regularly texts the programme, he might go back through his text messages and send it in to us again. We certainly would be interested in reading it out. Thank you. That's from Stephen, one of our listeners in uh, County Kerry. Now, let me go to West Cork for this week's Guard the File and joining me, Sergeant James O'Donovan. No, I've lost James. I've lost James O'Donovan there. Uh, we'll get James back on the line for this week's uh, Crime File. I can see some jokes already coming in for our competition. We normally don't open the joke line until 12, but uh, there's some coming in, so we'll accept those. Get your jokes into us, uh, please. Uh, This is for our cheese fondue night and uh, we'll call out the winning joke in the next hour and somebody will win that prize, which is for Sunday the 3rd of November for the winner plus four of your friends. Now, I'm told Sergeant James uh, O'Donovan is back on the line. Good afternoon to you, James. Or good morning to you, James. Not afternoon yet. Good morning, James. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now, we start with some, you're looking for witnesses to some uh, crimes that occurred, starting with some burglaries. Yes, we had two burglaries in uh, the Cork West Division there over the last number of weeks. The first one happened this day last week, the 17th of October, in the West End area of Bananine between 3.30pm and 10.45pm. A house was broken into, this, uh, as I said, it was this day last week, so a, a number of items were taken. We're asking anyone who may have been in the area uh, of Bananine around the West End area, uh, this day last week, if they saw anyone acting suspicious or any car that might have been around that area throughout that day to contact the Gardaí in Bandon with that information and would be um, greatly received. The second burglary then, Patricia, was on the 21st of October uh, between the hours of 7am and 2pm in an area known as the Green in Bandon. Again, uh, it was a residential apartment. The 
property was entered and there was a number of items taken from the, the apartment in question. Again, we're asking people who were in the green area of Bandon to contact the Gardaí here in Bandon if they saw anyone acting out of place or acting suspicious. Well, that, that and area. that would have been daylight that hours. That was mon- yes. 21st was Monday. So that would have been, you know, people heading out to work, people heading out to school, people going shopping would have been out, of, uh, out and about during out that about, time. And it's, it's in the, the town area, so yeah. it would have been fairly busy. So just people to maybe reflect on last Monday and maybe contact the Gardaí if they saw anything suspicious. Sadly, you've got three incidents of criminal damage. Yes, uh, in the division there was three instances of criminal damage. Uh, in the early hours of Sunday, the 13th of October, at approximately 2 a.m., a window of a premises in Bank Place in Castletown Bear was broken. Um, look, I suppose we're, acting, we're asking for information again in relation to this. Um, it would have been towards the, the, the latter end of the, the people leaving pubs and area, maybe it was accidental, but for anyone with information to contact the Gardaí in Castletown Bear or in Bantry, and that, that could help us get to the bottom of this. Um, on the 12th and the 13th of October then in Shannon Vale area of Clannacilty a car was damaged overnight and I suppose throughout the year we've we've had numerous discussions about damage to cars uh, Patricia and again look it, it's kind of distressing for the, the people to come out in the morning and to see damage done to their car this was a particularly uh, malicious one because it was damage done to both sides of the uh, car to either door It's expensive as well then it to get that repaired not alone if, if you can't Fix the scratch with the with the minute work. You have to respray the whole door. If not the whole door, the whole car, and that can be very expensive. And it's such a senseless act. Yes, yeah. look, and there there seems no rhyme nor reason to it. Uh, people that have this mentality to come along and damage another person's property, um, I, I we can't fathom it out. And there, there seems to be no modus operandi or reason as to why this is carried out at all. Okay. On the 17th of October then, uh, Patricia, again this day last week, I suppose uh, later on this evening would be a perfect time to remind people, on the Bandon Road in Domanway at the ESB station, there was um, a number of men tried to get into the compound and they caused a bit of damage to the fence. Um, obviously these were after some copper or wiring again, possibly. We're asking, we're asking people, this is on the side of the main road, so this would have been very busy. It happened between 6.30pm and 7pm. So people would be returning home from work or returning uh, through the manway or um, at that time of evening, that particular stretch of road is very busy. Busy. So we know people would have been out there that might have seen a strange car with um, acting suspicious around the, the ESB station in the manway to contact the Gardaí in the manway or in Clannacilty with any information okay. they have. And again, this day last week between half six yes. and seven in the uh, evening. Bogus callers to vulnerable neighbours. James, yes. you want to give Look, a mention to... I suppose, uh, as part of the Winter Ready campaign, oh, which is up and running with Angar Shikana in Cork West, where we g- we're getting information out there to people. One of those topics that seems to be very, I suppose, um, prevalent at this time of year is bogus callers to vulnerable neighbours. The evenings are drawing in, and we're asking people now to be to, to know your neighbours, and, and especially the vulnerable ones, the people that might be living alone, or the people might have mobility issues, or they might be elderly. Um, just to keep an eye on them, be aware of any callers that are calling to the house. Um, unfortunately, throughout the year, Patricia, we've had a number of these callers uh, right across the division, all the way from Goleen up to Dunamore, from Castellon Bear to Kinsale. And thankfully now, uh, with the help and the assistance of the communities that we have throughout West Cork, we have a number of people before the court Brilliant. in relation to these. And they were significant ones. They were they're, they're, they're fraudulently getting and deceiving people out of money. 
and we're just asking people to be very mindful of this again throughout the winter months and hope, and we will be doing a lot of work um, ra- raising awareness throughout community alert meetings and district meetings throughout the winter months to maintain that vigilance throughout yeah, the year. And we need to, as you say, keep in contact with our more vulnerable elderly neighbours keep in contact with them, make sure that, you know, that they've got your phone number if they need to ring you and talk to them about these bogus yes. callers. And, and I suppose as part of this Winter Ready campaign, we're, we're, we're working in conjunction with the Meals and Wheels uh, throughout West Cork. We have information packs Great. going out to these families and the, the emergency numbers are there. But that still doesn't take away. Look, um, I suppose it's all going to come across us someday that we're going to be at home and we'll be hoping that our neighbours will keep an eye out for us and we're just asking people to maintain that vigilance again. Okay, you are, it's, we've already mentioned it is, of course, Halloween uh, next week. We want everyone to have fun. We want everyone to stay safe. Yes. Trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating. Look, I, I suppose from a rural and uh, an urban area, we have loads of kids that will be out there on, on midterm break and they'll be trick-or-treating. And I suppose from a Garda point of view, we just want a few uh, tips maybe to give parents just to make sure that they're visible. Put reflective tape on costumes. Make sure the children have glow sticks or flashlights that when they're out on the road that they can be seen. A lot of these costumes can be dark. Um, make sure that the trick-or-treat stay away from candles and open flames, particularly bonfires and stuff. And uh, most important, parents need to accompany young Absolutely. children while they're trick-or-treating. Uh, I suppose we've always come across that you see maybe gangs of up to maybe eight or nine young children out trick-or-treating on their own and they're not supervised. Again, parents need to take, I suppose, some bit of responsibility for monitoring their kids out on the road as well. Um, again, with attendance of bonfires and fireworks. Every year, children are getting injured and some are scarred for life in relation to fireworks and bonfires. The safest thing is to be su- ha- go to these supervised bonfires with your children. Make sure that there is safely standing away from the fires and of course people should know that it is illegal to ignite a firework or to cause for it to ignite it to be any place um, unless you are a licensed operator. Yeah so and anyone I mean we're hearing fireworks going off and particularly in a lot of urban areas we're getting calls in a fireworks are going off most nights now already in the run up to Halloween and we'll have it for cross next week and maybe for a day or two afterwards those fireworks are illegal. They are they're illegal under the 2006 legislation unless you are a licensed operator to operate fireworks. I, we have an operation, Tambola, which is up and running um, uh, throughout the, nationally and throughout West Cork and where uh, fireworks that are for sale and supply, those are targeted and intelligence-led searches will be carried out in relation to those fireworks because at the end of the day, they're an explosive device, Patricia. Yeah, and, and the real danger I see, you know, the fact that they are illegal, people don't know what they're buying. They're not, you know, the way I know in the United Kingdom, you you can buy, they're legal to buy fireworks, so they're safety checked. Yes. The stuff that's coming into this country, there's no safety checks on it. There's no safety checks, there's no regulations. You cannot use a firework, as I said, unless you're a licensed operator. And it's, it's, it's down to a safety issue, uh, because at the end of the day, as I said at the outset, Patricia, there's children have had some horrendous injuries over the last number of years. I, I think I'd say, I could safely say that for the last four or five years, every Halloween, there is a report of a child that's in hospital because they have a severe injury to their hands or to their face because of a firework. So we're asking parents to be aware of if there are fireworks uh, coming into the, the house or they're being used at bonfires to contact us and to ensure that they're not 
putting any other children or their own children or themselves in danger. Yeah, we want everyone to go out and have fun and, and stay safe. And you are right about the Halloween costumes, particularly the ones that are on sale now and all the supermarkets have them. They're very flimsy material and if they come anywhere near a naked flame, even even a candle, they can go up in they seconds. They go up very fast. And there's been reported worldwide cases of, of children really, really very badly uh, injured. So just look after the smallies uh, as well. And you have a community information evening meeting that you want yes, to promote. As part of the Winter Ready campaign that I mentioned earlier on, the IFA in conjunction with ourselves are hosting a community information evening. Um, this will be in the West Lodge Hotel on the 5th of November 2019. Everyone is welcome. It's not just alone for uh, the farming community. This is for everyone in the community. It'll cover a range of topics from crime prevention, from health and safety on the farms, from coastal watch, and also for upland management in relation to uh, control fires and the safety issues to go with that, and also general crime prevention advice. As I said, it's all part of the Winter Ready campaign in relation to the crime prevention and security of people and making sure that they feel safe in their homes. OK, all right. Listen, uh, thank you for that, uh, James, and we'll talk again. Thanks, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is Sergeant James O'Donovan joining us from uh, West Cork for this week's uh, Guard the File. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. You can start getting your jokes into us, please. Your cheesy jokes for our cheese fondue night at the Cozy Cafe on Church Square in uh, Kinsale. Okay, get your cheesy jokes into us, please. Again, some jokes are coming in about cheese. They don't have to be about cheese. Just get in uh, jokes that made you laugh and hopefully will make us laugh too. It's your chance to win a cheese fondue night, special night, which has been set aside for Sunday the 3rd of November for you if you win and four of your friends is at the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale who are holding cheese fondue nights. They've got a cheese fondue night this coming Sunday, which is the 20th. 27th of October and then they're holding two in November the 10th and the 24th and then three in December 1st, 8th and 15th with our special night down for Sunday the 3rd of November but we need you to get your cheesy jokes into us you text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and by the way can you put your name and address on it please because some people are sending in jokes uh, but we don't know where you're from or who you are <laughs> in order to call you out as a winner we need your name and address please so get texting or whatsapping with that 0862 103 103 and you can check out the cheese fondue nights by going online to the cozycafe.net cozy cafe.net and Ryland Ladies somebody's been on from the Ryland Ladies Club to say they've got a fundraiser tomorrow it's a coffee day it's going to be in the Anvil Bar in Ryland from 9.15 tomorrow morning until 6 so an all day affair and it'll have home baking along with teas and coffees if you're around Ryland tomorrow you might pop in now some of your texts and whatsapps uh, coming into us uh, hi uh, Patricia this, oh, this was on um, the piece that I mentioned about that poor little horse and who was just so badly beaten that he had to be put down earlier in the week. And I was making the point, you know, Heidi was saying, why can't why can't these people be brought to task? Why can't whoever perpetrates these crimes, why aren't they brought before the courts? Why isn't the book thrown at them? And I was making the point, you know, if we catch these people, what will happen to them? You know, if, they, if they're caught, we'll, you know, how, how do you punish them? Will they ever be punish, punished? Well, Heidi's back saying, thanks for reading out my text. And I heard you say, what do we do if we find them? Will we punish them? 
says uh, Heidi. Not only with fines, but we ban them from keeping animals. I would go so far as to put their names in newspapers with a photograph of them. I would shame them. I would make examples of them. I would give them tough prison sentence. I've, as I already mentioned, I've written to Minister Michael Creed asking him to bring in stronger laws on these crimes. At the end of the day, we are humans who have feelings. But what everyone has to remember, animals are the same. And that seems to be forgotten in these cases. We seem to forget that animals have feelings too. And yeah, Heidi, when I was saying, what what do we do with them? Yeah, I would love to see them being prosecuted and brought to the courts and heavily fined, imprisoned, hit them where it hurts if they've got money, find them, you know, take money from them. Absolutely ban them from keeping animals for life. But I know over the years when we've dealt with cruelty cases on this programme and I have spoken with animal inspectors, particularly the fantastic ones that we have. We don't have enough of them now, I have to say, in the ISPCA. And I've dealt with vets who've been called out, who have to do up the veterinary report on the cruelty cases. It is so, so difficult to bring a prosecution to court. And then when they do get to court, there's a ten. I don't know what it is. There's a tendency. We've had a couple of very high profile cases, but overall, there's a tendency. It's hard to get the cases to court first because obviously it's a human's word against an animal's word, and then when they do go to court, they can be quite lenient. And and, and I don't know why. And it can sometimes be, particularly if it's a neglect case, it can be sure. I should God help us. He didn't know what he was doing, kind of thing. I mean, the one that we're talking about here in Cork City is not a neglect case. This is out. They, he was that, that horse was savagely beaten. But, you know, I, was, I don't know if you heard me after when I mentioned that we had a listener from the area where the horse was found. Was it Kieran in Fairhill? Uh, he says he could take me now and point out exactly who abused that horse. He reckons the guard, you know, as well. But they now whether they can't get a case against the people, whether they're trying to get a case against the people, I don't know. But it's almost like people do know or in that area they seem to know what was going on but it's just it's it's absolutely shocking and when I mentioned this earlier in the week I had to do it in a passing I couldn't even read the detail and I still can't even read the detail of what they believe that poor horse went through and I certainly couldn't look at the pictures it was just absolutely uh, horrific it is shocking to the extreme and yeah we need to when they are caught definitely definitely we need to have really really strict and stronger penalties uh, against them. Thank you for your uh, text. A couple of dogs have gone missing. We don't have a, a vet slot at this week. Jane, busy today, not, not available uh, to join us. But a couple of people have rang in. Now, I'm assuming these are dogs going missing because of fireworks going off. And I'll be saying we're where I live in Mallow I certainly heard fireworks going on for the last few nights somebody's been on by text to say Patricia since the 1st of October and what are we at today we're at the 24th of October today since the 1st of October fireworks have been going off every night in Formoy Town says this uh, t- texter people have contacted the, the Gardaí but they don't seem to want to come and catch the kids which I suppose if, if there's that many going off Every single night they would be just chasing children, would they, from one housing estate to another. Parents just need to be careful if they know their children are out with fireworks. You need to explain how serious and how dangerous those fireworks can be. I mean, the the Gardaí, we don't unfortunately have enough Gardaí and they can only do the best that they can do. But I imagine if you're after ringing in complaining, 
and there's that many fireworks going off they're probably getting complaints in from, from all over town anyway as we mentioned with fireworks earlier and we were given the advice about keep well away from those fireworks and because they're illegal in this country there's no safety standards on any of the ones that are sold they can sell anything they like because they're being sold illegally so you just have to be very very careful but it's frightening the life out of animals dogs in particular and there's a couple of dogs gone missing a young golden retriever and a black Newfoundland they're missing from the Bantier area since Wednesday evening if anybody's seen them 086 and then a three month old brown sheepdog pop oh that's just a little thing is missing from the Hazelwood area of Mallow now I don't know whether these are anything to do with fireworks or not but they're just dogs that have gone missing but a little sheepdog pop certainly probably won't be able to find his way home he's probably not living there long you know he's so young 087 if anybody has spotted any of those missing animals please now there was a fantastic text in that I want to bring you in a couple of minutes I'm going to be speaking with Noel Cunningham on his book on manners and that kicked off a debate this morning about manners and, and, and people were commenting and you know giving their views on manners and how, you know, manners begin at home and it's from a young age and all, and all of that. But it did lead to, I think, the bulk of the calls we got in is the etiquette around mobile phone use. And a lot of people saying that it's very rude to see somebody inside in a shop up at a counter just, you know, throw up the groceries, whatever it is that you're buying onto the counter. You know, don't even just, well, they may, might just nod at the girl or the guy behind the counter, but con- continue to have a conversation on the phone with somebody while the person at the checkout is trying to serve you. There's obviously people behind listening to every word you're saying as well. And it can just make everybody very un- un- uncomfortable. And I think it's the same on a train as well. There's nothing worse on a train when somebody's having a very loud conversation. And actually one of the tips in Noel Cunningham's book about mobile, because he deals with mobile phone use, is lower your voice. We have a tendency when we're on the phone. We speak louder when we're on the phone. So you need to, and if you're out in public, it's okay to speak louder if you're at home. But when you're out in public, if you're on a train, a bus or on the street or whatever, you don't want everybody knowing your business. So you need to lower your voice uh, as well. But anyway, so we were discussing that earlier and people were giving in, throwing in their tuppence halfpenny worth. And somebody said that what really annoyed them and they thought it was the height of rudeness was people not switching off their mobile phone when at mass. And I was taken aback to say, goodness me, I hope that that doesn't happen that often. I can accept that somebody might forget that the mobile phone is in the bag and that it's switched on and as soon as it's rings, they switch it off. But, but then other people were saying, yeah, regular occurrence for phones to go off inside in the church. And somebody else said they actually saw somebody texting they got a text message and they needed to answer it and they answered it while at Mass. Anyway, listen to this. This was published in the Connor Church newsletter last week. Now, I don't know who wrote it, but kudos to whoever came up with this. And it's just a little note that's saying, got your phone on? Question mark. And it says, when you enter this church, it may be possible that you hear the call of God. However, it's unlikely that he'll call you on your mobile. Thank you for turning off your phones. If you want to talk to God, enter, choose a quiet place and talk to him. If you really want to see him in a hurry, send him a text while driving. Isn't that very clever? Very, very clever. Now, and I'm assuming it had to be put on the newsletter because like other churches, they're they're noticing that the phones are going off and it would be most off-putting to other people if you're in silent prayer and suddenly somebody's phone is beeping beside you. So please, if you are entering in the church, will you please make sure 
that your phone is switched uh, off. And I can still see some of your jokes coming in. Keep them coming, please. And we will get to them in a few minutes. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. She's filling for John Paul today. You can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. There's social dancing in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow tonight. Music is by two of a kind. It's from half nine, and there's dance classes before from half eight to half nine, and admission is 10 euro. The Blood Transfusion Service, they've got donor clinics at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow today, three to five this afternoon afternoon and seven to nine tonight. Cardiac Support Group North Cork, they are hosting a presentation entitled A Woman's Heart. That's on tonight at eight in Forest Hall, Mitchellstown. The guest speakers are Lisa Sheehan and Breda O'Sullivan, who will give an account of their encounters with cardiac issues. All are welcome. A steam open night sorry a a STEM open night my apologies at Science Technology Engineering Apprenticeships and Maths will be held in Middleton CBS tonight at 7pm guest speakers and career advice advice available and Dukas Clonakilty they are hosting Dr Claudia Kinmuth tonight Clonakilty Parish Centre at half past eight she'll give an illustrated talk exploring life in Irish farmhouses including images of local farmhouse furniture etc all are very welcome and a tea dance will be held in Canon Hayes's hotel in Effen next Sunday night dancing is to Red River and it'll be between three and half past five on Sunday afternoon and by the way our latest Jane Alar listenership figures have just been uh, released and the uh, programme I'm delighted to say continues to grow so thank you to the 45,000 odd people that tune into the programme every day we appreciate each and every one of you so thank you for that and keep your cheesy jokes coming for our competition with the cheese fondue nights that we're giving away at the Cosy Cafe in Kinsale uh, give you another about 10 minutes left on that 0862 103 103 you can only text or WhatsApp your cheesy joke please make sure that you include your name and address in case you are today's winner now are you sometimes confused about what to wear for those special occasions what is polite use of your mobile phone and if the occasion arises would you know how to set a formal dinner table well these questions and more are answered in a wonderful new book entitled Noel Cunningham's Guide to Modern Irish Manners and I'm delighted to say Noel has taken time out to join us on the programme today good afternoon to you Noel and a very good afternoon to you and your 45,000 listeners. <laughs> How exciting is that? Isn't that gorgeous? Thank you very much. Now you're and bo- I will settle for 44,999 <laughs> rushing out to buy my book. <laughs> your book is all about modern etiquette and just basic good manners. Are we losing our manners? Do, do we sometimes feel they're no longer relevant? I think everyone asks a very similar question. Uh, my, my response is this. The Irish, we have an innate charm and elegance about us. I think that we've kind of lost our direction ever so slightly. As children, we were taught the basics of please and thank you, respect our elders, respect our parents, respect rules that are there for a reason. And maybe just somewhere along this, the sort of 
movement to modernity, we forget that those rules still apply in many cases. They lead to a more respectful environment to live in. They lead to a more sociable and also, and I say this time and time again, it gives our children a better chance in life if they know how to dress, if they know how to behave, if they know how to conduct themselves at an interview. All of those things are important. We're, we're sort of, if you like, guiding our children and young people to a better future. And certainly manners, decorum, respect, they're all very much a part of that. Yeah, and as you know, the the opening chapter made me smile because along the top of it, you called it "manners will bring you around the world," and it was a, it, that was the saying my late mother used to always say, and she used to say, "Manners cost nothing." So we need you need to start at a young age. Absolutely, and you know, uh, Fred Astaire all those years ago made the comment uh, basically along the lines: "It's extraordinary that anybody has any manners at all because." Our children don't see any at home or in their lives. Now, I think that was a bit harsh because, as I say, the Irish are wonderful. Uh, But I just think this modernity and this new way of thinking that you're patronising if you allow a lady to pass in front of you into a shop, you open a door for a lady. You know, I don't buy into that. I think most women, and I respect women, I see the women as sort of the force that they are. And I think that in politics and in major business, I think that gender equality is nearly what it should be. So I'm not trying to patronise in any way. I'm merely saying we all like a little bit of respect. And, you know, I got the shock of my life. I was travelling earlier this year and I was on a train in Dubai and some young gentleman offered me a seat and all of a sudden I realised, ah, ah, you are one of those older people yeah. that should be showing respect. It was a horrible realisation. <laughs> I just wish, I just wish for the next 10 or 12 years that absolutely nobody ever offered me a seat. But, but, but you know, it, there, there's something wonderful if you're in that situation and you see a younger person offer an older person a seat. You'll see everybody around sort of smile and go, what a mannerly young person. And it speaks volumes yeah. about that person. And somehow or other, you look at that person in a new light and you think, you know, that young person is well brought up, knows what's what, knows how to behave in public. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more, you know. Now, I want to take a look at some of the topics uh, that you cover in uh, your book. Uh, firstly, um Eating out, you, you you do a wonderful chapter about eating out. To tip or not to tip, Noel? I think that um, whilst I wouldn't like to get to what I call the American standard where you have to give a tip irrespective of the service you receive, I still think it's nice to reward good service. I think it's nice to reward kindness. And uh, certainly I would be a kind of a a person that would feel particularly not sorry, but would want in an environment where I eat in a restaurant where I know definitely the young people serving me are students probably going through college. And if they were pleasant and did their best, I would want to leave them a tip. Yes, I'm afraid I kind of say, yes, 
tip by all means, but make sure it's conditional on getting a welcome, hospitality and uh, service. And don't feel that you have to impress anybody because that's one of the aspects of etiquette and good manners that's quite appalling. When there's someone in your company who puts on a vulgar show oh, prove yeah. a point, I am who I am. I'm going to throw a 20 euro or a 50 euro to the waiting staff. And, and in doing that, you're really patronizing because you are doing it probably even before you've begun to have the meal. And it's just a person full of their own self-importance that's saying, you know, I am a person of, of note. Here's some money. You make sure you look after me. It appalls me. It's such bad manners. Yeah. Yes, reward good service with an appropriate uh, tip. Absolutely. And then paying the bill. Who pays, who doesn't pay? Particularly yes. when you're on a date. If I invite you to dinner tonight, it should be assumed correctly that I will pay the bill. If I am asking you out on a first date, by all means, I should pay the bill. And that can be male, female. Remember, we're in same-sex sort of territory these days. The couple may be same-sex or whatever. Whoever does the inviting does the thing. End of story. As a relationship develops, um, then the rules can change and you do it a different way, and that's perfectly fine. And also, look, if you're going out as a group from a workplace, it's inevitable or invariably will mean that you're going to go touch, that everybody pays their share. Um, if, if um, you know, if you want to go out for dinner with a group of friends and you feel <coughs> that it's necessary to make that clear, that's perfectly all right too. Because, you know, we all have friends, if you don't mind my saying so, and not that it would happen in Cork or anywhere down in the south. But we all have friends that would be, as the fella said, a wee bit slow to open the wallet. So sometimes they need a gentle nudge, like, you know, we're going out, but we're all paying our own way. So, you know, please understand that. The one that annoys me in a group setting like that, when you agree that we're all going to go Dutch, uh, say there's 10 people and the bill arrives and it's 200 euro. And I would say, all right, that's 20 euro each and everybody and we'll, we'll put a tip in uh, as well. But you'll have somebody at the other end of the table going, I, I, I didn't have dessert. I only had main course. That drives me bananas. If you're going to go Dutch, you go Dutch regardless of what you have. Would you agree? This person about saying, oh, I had just the prawns and they were a bit more expensive or they were a bit cheaper. Nonsense. If you're going Dutch, you are absolutely well right. Well now, I would, I would perhaps add the codicil to that, that if you and I, for example, we have a lovely little group of friends and we go out once a month for dinner and we have a couple of bottles of wine. Now, there is a person in our company, like, for example, I don't drink. I'm a recovering alcoholic, so therefore I don't drink alcohol in any form. Once every two or three months, you, my lovely group of friends, might turn around to me and say, Noel, you know, we're always going Dutch. You never have as much as a, a, a mineral water. We are going to treat you tonight. Absolutely. 
Yeah. No, no issue around that at all. Yeah. Now, the one when I mentioned earlier, Noel, that you were coming on and, and I was speaking with great praise about your book because I, I really do think it was a, it's, it's a delightful read. Uh, but I mentioned mobile phone usage and it's the one I think that we got the biggest amount of calls about to, to the programme. So talk to me, give me your do's and don'ts on the use of mobile phones and the correct etiquette around it. Very simple. Years ago, if I went out with my wife and we had small children um, and I had a babysitter at home, I would have left clear instructions with the babysitter if something uh, goes wrong or if you need something, please telephone at the restaurant, ask to be put through to the restaurant manager or whoever answers the phone and I will have tipped them off that my babysitter might ring in an emergency. So therefore, this nonsense that you have to have the phone glued to the side of your face at all times is just that. It's a nonsense. When you go to a restaurant, you show respect to those you are dining with, and that might be your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever. Switch off your phone, put it away. Don't put it on silent. Don't put it so it's vibrating in your pocket because the temptation is there and we're all guilty of reaching for it to answer it. So switch it off and be done with it. And if you're expecting an emergency call or for whatever reason or you're anxious about somebody who might call, make arrangements prior to the event to deal with that eventuality. No, I am absolutely sort of appalled when I look in a restaurant today and I see that most of the diners, couples and indeed bigger parties that one or both or all are on their damn phones. It's just appalling. And children, our young people, and here's the, here's the one, we have to get people when they're younger to, to for want of a better word, uh, guide them in better ways. And I think that there should be a rule in all families, and it's good from every aspect, that Once or twice a week, in a busy world that we now live in, we should sit as a family to have a communal meal. And a few rules apply. Televisions off. No mobiles. Set the table properly. Explain to your children the use of cutlery, because they'll be going off to their devs. I've covered the devs in my event. They'll go to, in my book rather, they'll be going to a wedding. I've covered weddings in great detail. If you want to organize the perfect wedding, my book is ideal for that. And as I say, I'm not, honestly, I'm, and my publisher, O'Brien Press, who are wonderful, they give out to me, say, no, you need to be a bit more commercial. I said, you know what, this little book was a, a labor of love. It's something I've always wanted to do. And I'm not, I'm not trying a commercial angle here. I'm merely saying that I want my book to be of use and that people will sit back and say, you know, that was helpful, it was wonderful, it gave me some guidelines. And even Christmas, look at Christmas. Yeah, you've, you've got um, a great chapter on Christmas. Absolutely. And, you know, I just go through various things at Christmas uh, that, you know... Everything from how to make it easier by prepping things the day before. But you also covered the mobile phone topic. If you've, if you've guests coming, you know, you're going to sit down and have dinner. No mobile phones. Absolutely. And don't be one bit afraid to say, now, ladies and gentlemen, I have spent days planning this little dinner party or this little house party that you're so excited to have you here. 
a few rules apply. I have tried to simplify everything I'm doing in order to spend time with you. And therefore, I want you to spend time in every way with me, not just physically, but in interest and conversation and all of that. And we are just going to have a mobile phone ban between nine o'clock in the morning and eight o'clock well done done. yeah and and I I smiled at some of the things that you put in the book like when you go into somebody's house don't ask for the Wi-Fi code is the first thing you do when you enter and the other one is when you're out in public and you are taking a call and I was on some I had some train journeys to make over the weekend and this was particularly relevant on the train we speak louder when we're on a mobile phone and We we and we forget that when we're out in public we do and we actually do, we raise our decibel level several points. And you know this awful thing, and I'm sure some of your, your listeners now will identify with this. What happens at the end of a conversation when we used to say, oh, cheerio for now, lovely to talk to you, or bye-bye. Now it's on our mobile, and you hear it on trains, planes, buses, in the car, whatever. Bye, bye-bye, 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 <laughs> Where did that come from? What's that about? You know, we say bye, 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 <laughs> ten times. Oh, my goodness. One, one goodbye will do. Uh, a, a, listener, a listener by text says, uh, Patricia, I travelled on a train from Dublin to Mallow recently. It was absolutely packed. A young gentleman got up and gave me his seat. And yes, I am a senior. I really appreciated it so much. And I told him so. And that's very important. You know, there's another point of etiquette. A few years ago, I was asked to write something in a paper at, you know, at the New Year, New Year's resolution. And I made that resolution that I was going to say certain things at different times when things annoyed me. And one of those is in a graveyard. No more than that lady thanking that young man. In a graveyard, I'm always standing beside somebody who will nudge me and say, oh, did you know Mary? Wasn't she lovely? And I say, yes, I did. Now, did you tell her she was lovely? Oh, no. Well, I said, it's too late now. So make a resolution that in future, if somebody is nice and done you something, a favor or done something nice, or they're just nice people, once go and buy a card, give them a box of chocolates, give them a box of cards and say, that's just for being you. Thank you. You know, my goodness, it's like the thank you card to your own parents even after spending a glorious Christmas under their feet, you know. Send them a card. Send them a, a card. And someone who was really famous for doing that, and I heard so many people mention it following his uh, recent death, was uh, Brendan Grace. If, yes. if Brendan Grace, if you, and I remember over the years I would have interviewed Brendan, you know, for some show he was doing or something, there would always be a card in the post. And he did that everywhere he went. A, a, any sort of, if he heard somebody talk about him or say something nice about him, there'd be a little card in the post. And I just thought, what a nice, nice man to do that and that's just it, but it's a small thing but it means so much yeah that somebody actually you know as you say even if it's your parents after a stay or a Christmas or a wedding or a party that they've given or whatever that somebody actually went to the trouble of going into a newsagent or a card shop got an appropriate card sat down and wrote it went and bought a stamp and posted it yeah and for some mums, as we all know, you know, mums are very special, as are dads. That card will probably be kept for the rest of their lives if it's beautifully sort of written and a lovely little message because it will mean more than giving a million dollars and 
certainly mean more than a text message or a Facebook message, you know. Okay, but what reaction are you getting to the book? Uh, excellent, no. excellent, I have to say. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm, it's gone into um, top 20 now of hardback uh, sales, which is very nice. We're excited about that. And again, I just want people to buy it. It's very reasonably priced. It's something that isn't going out of fashion. Out of fashion, and it covers. It absolutely covers every from the cradle to the grave. It does absolutely. And so, somebody says you should you should bring out another book and do it all on road manners. We've completely lost our manners when we're on the road. I have a little bit in the book about that too. Yeah, and sport and whatever. Uh, but certainly, um, you know, from the cradle to the grave. Uh, we all need little guidelines and loads of little stories too about my own my own introduction um, to to manners um, and people I've met along the way that influenced me. So, and including a lovely story about when you met with uh, Ian Paisley that we let people read about when they when they buy uh, the book. But you were surprised by Ian Paisley. Yeah, the message there very clearly: never judge a book by its yeah. cover. <laughs> well, you can ju- you can judge your book by the cover because I love the cover. Uh, the cover's great. Yeah. The, artist, the artist who did the cover, uh, it was commissioned, and they uh, absolutely captured me. And I was, again, quite horrified when one of my beloved darling nieces said, Oh, Uncle Noel, they got your big ears. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? Out of the mouth of babes and, and, and whatever. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. On, on that positive note, and with your lovely neat ears, uh, Noel, we'll leave it. Listen, good luck with it. It's wonderful. It's published by O'Brien Press and it's called Noel Cunningham's Guide to Modern Irish Manners. Real pleasure talking to you, Noel. Thank you for that. And thank you to, for your courtesy and again to your 45,000 listeners. <laughs> Congratulations. Keep listening to this lovely programme <laughs> and tell your friends to switch on as well. Oh, Cheerio now. God bless. Bye bye. Noel Cunningham joining us on the line. Somebody says, Patricia, when you're talking about phones and you mentioned somebody not switching off their phone at Mass, well, a funny one about phones in church. I was at a removal a couple of years ago. Halfway through the decade of the rosary, a phone rang out. Guess what? It was the priest's phone. And I'm told it isn't the first time with this particular priest. He even has his phone on in the church. Goodness me. 1850-333-103. A listener wants to know, please, does anybody know, do they still give out a pin? Were they gold pins when you give your 50th pint of blood? I know they certainly do recognise the 50th pint of blood and they recognise the 25th pint of blood as well. I don't know if it's done with a pin or not. So we would need to hear from somebody who regularly gives blood and have you given your 50th pint of blood and if so, how was it recognised by the Blood Transfusion Service Board? Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And Marion in Clonakilty enjoyed listening to Noel Cunningham on the programme because Marion is from Killybegs. And she said, Tell Noel he's a great ambassador for Donegal and he's got that wonderful Donegal accent, which Marion, no doubt you have uh, too. And uh, John in Cantor, this is on mobile phone use and the proper etiquette around it and what's good manners and bad manners. He says, There's the sign in the doctor surgery saying please switch off your mobile phones but John says people don't see that 
astounds me when there's actually a sign up saying, you know, don't use your mobile phone or please switch off your mobile phone. And yet people still leave it on. It's just it's incredible. OK, let me give you some of the jokes that have come in for our cheese fondue night. Uh, here is a joke. We went to get my eyes tested. The optician said I needed laser treatment. I said I'll hold off until next year. Why? I'll have 2020 vision. Another joke, Anne says, why couldn't the blonde add 10 plus 5 on a calculator? She couldn't find the 10 button. That's from Anne. Uh, text a high joke. Garda chasing a car for uh, a long while. Man eventually stops. Garda says, did you know your wife fell out of the car about a mile back the road? The man says, God, I thought I was gone deaf. <laughs> okay, and our winner today, Patricia. Why this is kind of one for Halloween? Why didn't the skeleton go to the cheese and wine reception? Answer: Because he had nobody to go with. And that's from Catherine Scannell, Shell Cottage Park, Knocknagree in Mallow. Congratulations to you, Catherine. You and now four of your friends will be going along to the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale on Sunday, the third of November, for a cheese fondue night. You can check out the Cheese Fondue Nights by checking up their website at CozyCafe.net and we'll do it all over again tomorrow. Now it's solid. Solid as a rock. That's what this love is. That's what we've got. Oh. Mm-hmm. Solid. from Ashford and Simpson on C103 and that's a track called Solid. That's where I leave you. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.